Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code WELCOME to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code WELCOME at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code WELCOME. Welcome back, baseball fans, of the 20th and Blake podcast, part of MileHighSports.com. I'm Luke Zalman. And today's the day everyone's been waiting for. Today is the day that all those preseason articles, all those preseason predictions, all of that comes to a head today against the Marlins on the road. It's a huge day for the franchise, coming off of another step forward in the postseason. 91 wins, led by their great young rotation. They have Arenado on offense, so it's set to be another good year for them. Um, Not a ton of huge additions in the offseason, um, we discussed, me and both both myself and Anilo Piro both discussed pretty heavily the starting rotation, the bullpen, and the batting order in our last three episodes. So if you missed those, make sure to go listen to those for kind of some more in-depth. Um, this will be more of a bird's eye view, more seeing everything that may happen this season, kind of a predictions type podcast, and also previewing opening day for the Rockies. Um, going against Miami, a place where they... I've struggled a little bit. I'll get to that more later. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that today is probably one of the better days in many baseball fans, you know, livelihoods. I think that you know each year for the past say ten years. I think ten years ago was probably when I started to get into baseball quite a bit. I remember two thousand seven or October. That was kind of some of my first exposure to it. Um, but since then, it's just kind of grown, and now, as I post it on my Twitter, people probably don't even believe me. Um, probably watching, you know, a thousand plus games a year now. It's it's something I, I don't, I wouldn't say I pride myself on, but it's something that is very, you know, it's important to me. I like I like being in tune with the rest of the league as well as watching the Rockies. So I like to watch, you know, the opening game the Rockies game and then that nightcap that's usually on the west coast I usually like to view that game too um you know it's moving on kind of to the to the Rockies and off my own soapbox um this year Vegas line has them at 84 and a half wins only two and a half over 500 obviously it's slated for second in the NOS but I think it's too low I think with them winning 91 last year, 87 the year before, kind of bringing back pretty much the same team with a, a decent, a decent is, you know, a strong word. I think a, a minimal upgrade on offense. They, they're going to be a little better. I don't know if it'll be drastic. Um, they're probably hoping that it's drastic from their in-house moves. Um, but as far as signings, you know, trade, stuff like that, um, they're really not bringing much to the table as far as, you know, visible upgrades that you can see in the preseason. Um, but they are bringing back that entire starting rotation, a very young rotation. I think Chad Bettis is the oldest. Don't believe he's even 30. 
Um, so very young rotation. They get another year under their belt. I think that that's going to be good for them. Um, Marquez's, you know, second half last year was one of the best in the National League. And, I mean, the league as a whole, it was, you know, it was amazing what he did in the second half. First half, not as good, kind of what he had typically been producing. So I think he meets somewhere in the middle. Um, Freeland, his home and road splits, the fact that his home splits are better and he's pitching at Coors Field for the most part, I think that bodes very well for his long-term success. And, you know, part of that long-term success being this year, he was obviously named the opening day starter. Um, We'll get more into that matchup um, later on in the podcast. I think that John Gray as well, his underlying numbers would tell you that he was a better pitcher than those counting stats would say. Um, To what degree, who knows. He worked out a lot at driveline this year, as did Jeff Hoffman. So they were really working to fix things that maybe they didn't even know was wrong. Jeff Hoffman talked a lot about the fact that driveline really analyzed him in a way he had never been analyzed before. So besides that last start from gray and even that start wasn't atrocious but he had a very good spring um he's looking like he'll be able to bounce back from last year and then you have tyler anderson and chad bettis two older guys older being a relative term um that are going to eat innings i don't i don't know if an nl cy young is anywhere in their future even them being on that in the conversation but they'll be inning eaters and they'll be they'll be solid pitchers for the Rockies I personally think they win 88 games I think that they they kind of meet their last two years in the middle um 91 last year 87 the year before as I said um I think they get to 88 so I think that'll be good enough to put them in the wild card race um I think that the Dodgers win the division again I just I don't really see a way that they pull ahead of the Dodgers this year except you know if things really start to things really start to shatter for the Dodgers. I think that they're just too deep on that farm system's taken a couple, a couple steps back in recent years, but it's still extremely deep. I, they should be great again. Um, rounding out the rest of the NL West, um, Diamondbacks, I think are also going to take a huge step back. Rockies will take a very minimal step back. I think Diamondbacks, huge step back. They trade Goldschmidt to the Cardinals. They lose Pollock to the division rival Dodgers. And then they lose Steven Souza Jr. today, or yesterday, I believe it was announced that he was getting that knee surgery, um, ligament damage. So he's out for the year. Um, Just another hit to them. I I mean, they'll still have Lamb. They still have Cattell Marte, you know, guys like that. But I, I really don't see it. I don't think... Guys like that and David Peralta, I just don't see how they carry that team to wins. And outside of Granke, their rotation is very questionable. I mean, you have Zach Godley, you have Robbie Ray, you have guys like that where you really don't, it's, I mean, Robbie Ray is going to rack up the strikeouts. Um, Godley will usually have his fair bit of uh, swing and misses too, but just overall, they're not very consistent and limiting runs is not exactly their specialty. Um... I think the Giants will have a similar problem. I think that Bumgarner is supposed to be their ace, um, but his fastball has been deteriorating for a couple years now. Um, that was slightly due to injuries, but in spring training, he's not showing anything different. Um, I think that his age is really starting to catch up with him. All those miles in the postseason, 
Um, when they had those World Series runs, I think those are starting to, you know, catch up with him. Uh, Posey has struggled with injuries as well. And overall, the ballpark's just not a good offensive ballpark. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty well known. Um, they get rid of Kutch last year, send him to the Yankees. He's with the Phillies now. Um, they signed Derek Holland back. He'll be an innings eater for them. Signed Pomeranz from Boston. Um, he's really struggled with injuries. So I I don't really see a way that they get drastically better. I think that they're going to regress as well. Um, if I had to pick, I'd probably put them, you know, bottom two teams in the NL West. I think that the Padres are actually slated to take a step past them this year. I think that adding Manny Machado paired with their young rotation, they have a pretty under underrated in the national landscape young rotation. They have Eric Lauer. Joey Lucchese, Christian Paddock, they have some really good young arms that are projected to help them this year. They lose Danielson LeMay last year. He sh- he shouldn't be back this year, I believe. Uh, Tommy John surgery, so he'll, he'll be out for the year. But they have a pretty decent young rotation. And with Manny Machado in the offense, uh, paired with Will Myers, paired with Eric Hosmer, paired with Manuel Margot, they added Ian Kinsler as well. They should be... Pretty formidable offensive ball club. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. makes the opening day roster as well. Um, So they're going to be very young. They'll probably have a lot of ups and downs with that youth. Um, But overall, I think they're poised to take a step forward after all those years of building. Um, And then at the top, Dodgers. I think Kershaw injuries, like all of his injuries stacking up, I think are a problem. Um, I think that... Losing Grandal, losing Machado, even though he was just a late season acquisition, losing Brian Dozier, I think that hurts them as well. Lose Yasiel Puig, lose Matt Kemp. Um, they're really going to be reliant on Corey Seager coming back and being the player he previously was. Um, they're really relying on Max Muncy being what he was last year, and last year was his breakout year. So it's anyone's guess if he's able to repeat it. I still think they'll be a great team. Um, I think that Jock Peterson is getting better and better. I think Austin Barnes should be a pretty good catcher for them. Um, he's shown flashes. He has a, he has a little bit of speed. He doesn't have the power of Grandal. Um, and then Cody Bellinger. I mean, you can rely on him probably 30 bombs. I think he'll probably take a step forward as well now that he's going into his third year. Um, so he should be pretty good as well. I think that the NOS is going to be a dogfight, especially at the top. Um, it won't be as deep as it was in previous years, but it'll it'll definitely be very competitive at the top. Moving on to all the stories on opening day, the Marlins, um, kind of the nemesis of the Rockies in recent years. Um, it, at first, it was with you know Stanton, Yelich, those guys leading the way, and then even last year when all those guys are gone, still have Real Muto. Um, they go two and four. They lose both series last year. Um, year prior when team still has, you know, their outfield in place, they go two and four as well. They were swept in Miami, um, year before that two and five, and they went one and three in Miami. So Miami has kind of been a house of horrors for them. Um, this is the worst Miami team they'll have seen of any of those years. Um, as of right now, Miami's projected at 63 and a half wins. Second worst in baseball above the Orioles. I I think it's generous. Um, they are that bad. They're going to be pretty terrible this year unless they get huge breakouts um, from some of their young guys. I mean, their starting rotation is ridiculously young. 
Um, there was thought in spring training that, oh, well, these two youngsters will make it and the others won't. And then it ended up all of the youngsters made it and they got rid of some of their older guys. So they're going to be a very, very young team. Overall, Rockies 9-7 and seven in their last five opening series. Um, won all of them except last year in Arizona and 2014 in Miami when they went 1-3. and three. Uh, four game series to start the year so they've been pretty good in their opening series I think starting on the road is kind of interesting for them because Coors Field has such a dramatic impact um, almost almost projects as kind of a fatigue factor um, once they go on the road so for them to start on the road I think is it's a good way for them to start I think then coming home is a is a good start for them like I said I'm you could ask me. I have no idea exactly why it is that they're playing on the road so many years. Um, but overall, um, Marlins ballpark, part of why it's been a uh, kind of a house of horrors for them, 29th in run production in the league last year. Part of that you can put on the Marlins offense that they put out there every day. I mean, it was it was drastically bad. Real Muto is their best hitter. And then after that, it was, you know, Brian Anderson had a decent year. Um, but Louis Sprinson, the guy that they got for Christian Yelich had an atrocious year. Um, and they lose Real Muto in the offseason. The year prior, they lose Stanton Yelich and Ozuna. Um, I think the only way that they are able to eclipse that 63.5 is if they get a breakout from Brian Anderson. Splits time, third base right field. Um, former third round pick, I believe, in 2014. Um, last year, you know, 273, 357, 400, you know, that on base percentage is pretty good for a young guy, 11 bombs, 65 RBI. So he wasn't bad. Um, they're going to need a huge year from him if they have any hopes of competing. And as I already talked about outfielder, Louis Brinson, he was the main piece acquired for Yelich. Um, they really need more out of him this year. Um, he hits below the Mendoza line last year, only gets on base at a 240 clip. Um, he does have pretty good power. He hit 11 home runs last year. That number goes up if he's actually able to put the bat on the ball. So that power is there. He has a pretty big frame, but he just he hasn't been able to harness that power yet. Um, shown it in flashes, but a breakout for him would be good for their chance as well. Um, and then you have some older guys. You got guys like Starlin Castro. You got guys like Curtis Granderson who was signed in the offseason. Neil Walker. Um, you know he's been all over the place. A switch hitting guy. Um, they get Alfaro from the Phillies in that Rio Muto deal. He was kind of the main piece in that deal as far as MLB ready talent. Um, but they're probably looking at a pretty bad season. I mean, second worst payroll. Um, they're only at $72 million. That's just above the Rays. But if you compare it, the Rays win 90 games last year. Um, kind of revitalized the franchise using the opener. They have a huge year from Blake Snell. Um, so you can, and then they trade Chris Archer and still go on to win 90 games. Um, two franchises with very different outlooks and very different projections, despite their payrolls being at the bottom of the league. Um, so I think, you know, while the Rockies may struggle in Miami, I think as the year goes on, the Marlins are, you know, they're going to be in that conversation. First overall pick, they're going to be they're going to be probably the worst team in the league. Um, I don't see any chance they win 
their division, you know, not when they have to compete with the Phillies, the Braves, the Nats. Um, I think that's completely out of the question. I think any type of playoff, you know, any type of playoff hopes are really not non-existent. Um, as far as opening day goes, though, I'm as of right now, I I hate to be that guy, but I have the same exact projected starting lineup as Patrick Saunders. Um, I think Blackman leads off. He's playing in right, as they discussed throughout the offseason. Uh, Daniel Murphy at first, Nolan at third, Story batting cleanup at short. Um, I think that'll be a pretty common spot for him this year. Um, David Dolan left, Desmond in center. Those are more of the moves that they made this offseason to kind of reshape their outfield, mostly defensively. Um, it wasn't a, a great offensive move, but defensively getting Blackman out of center field was probably a good idea for them. Um, follow that up, McMahon at second. Um, given Given the pitching situation for the Marlins, um, I think catcher's kind of up in the air. I think no matter what, they're going to hit eighth. Um, but it'll probably be Chris Iannetta in that first game. Uh, they probably give the veteran that the nod. Um, and then Kyle Freeland, the starting pitcher for opening day, will uh, will uh, round out that lineup. Moving on to the Marlins. Um, no Marlins expert by any means. Uh, did some research, kind of looked into their their offseason. I think they're actually going to lead off with Brinson. I think that's something they're really going to try to do this year. Um, like I said, he does have power, so the leadoff spot is an interesting spot. But I think it, the more at-bats that they can get him this year, the better. Um, I think that Granderson hits two, uh, Castro at three, Brian Anderson at, uh, hitting cleanup, um, position wise, Brinson in center, Grandy in left, uh, Castro at second, Anderson at third. I think Alfaro in his first, you know, meaningful time with the club will, uh, will obviously catch, um, hitting five hole. I think the switch hitting Neil Walker, a veteran they brought in this offseason will play first. I think he'll hit six. Uh, Garrett Cooper, young outfielder for them. I think he hits seven and then JT Riddle, a young shortstop for them. He had time last year. Um, lefty, I think he hits right before Jose Urania. Um, I think that they're, that's probably going to be about what they're looking at this year. Um, if you could have, if you could have named that lineup off just the top of your head without doing any research, good for you. Um, you're a better fan than I am, I suppose. Fan of baseball that is, um, as far as typical platoon splits, um, they should match up pretty well against Kyle Freeland. I didn't look at each of their platoon splits, but just um, as far as having a lineup with quite a few righties, they'll they'll match up, you know, decent opposite uh, the lefty Kyle Freeland. Uh, moving on to that pitching matchup, uh, as I've already said multiple times, Kyle Freeland um, opposes Jose Urania. It's the second straight opening day nod for Urania. Um, he's kind of what they're relying on for the future. They have some other guys throughout the rotation, those young guys. Um, but he's he's supposed to be their ace. He's supposed to be the guy that they rely on. Last year, 3.98 ERA and 174 innings. Um, his big concern is with uh, command. He's a guy that can get some strikeouts. He can rack them up a little bit, but that ball's going all over the place. It's you know, and that's kind of limited the amount of strikeouts he can get. When that command's on his strikeouts rise, when it's off, um, he he gets crushed. Um, that ERA dropped just a tiny bit, 3.95 at home last year. 
Um, his final start, his final five starts, excuse me, is where he really started to bring it to, all together. Uh, 1.20 ERA. He really found himself. The the strikeouts stayed pretty low. I believe 20 in 30 something innings. Um, so not he's not gonna you know strike out the side many times. Um, but he really started to put it together. He really started to keep the ball, you know, inside the park. Um, so he really they're hoping that that. They're hoping that that carries over to this year. Um, against Colorado last year, only one start. Um, towards the end of April, I believe the 27th, um, he goes seven innings, only allows one earned run. Ironically, that one earned run comes on an Antonio Sensatella double, uh, drives in Gerardo Parra. Um, that was the only run in the game. Rockies won at 1-0. Um, not a great game for offense, but with the Rockies at Marlins Park, that's no surprise. Um, and in his opener last year, he was four innings, five earned, uh, walks four. Um, the moment of the game is first, first at bat of the season. I believe that was the opener of the season. It was a midday game. Um, he allows a home run to Ian Happ, uh, later on in the game allows an, allows a home run to Anthony Rizzo. Um, so that was kind of the story of his game. Not a great start. Like I said, he really started to he really started to turn it on towards the end of the year. Um, that's when he really started to show the flashes of the guy they're expecting. Um, and opposing him, um, many people know, was in Cy Young talks last year, Kyle Freeland, 2.85 ERA. Um, highest wins above replacement for a pitcher in a single season in franchise history. Um, 8.4 was you know ahead of all those great Ubaldo Jimenez seasons. Ahead of the surprisingly great Aaron Cook seasons. Um, he, he was, he was dominant last year, 202 innings, uh, 17 wins tied for the second most in franchise history for a single season. Um, and on the road, he was, he was pretty good. He was actually better at home as I previously said, but 3.23 ERA on the road. Um, that strikeout percentage went down, but so did the slugging percentage allowed. Um, so he was, he was, he was pretty, pretty much the same on the road. Um, as far as allowing runs a little worse. Um, but nothing drastic. Um, he's kind of looking to continue that streak from last year. I mean, he's a Colorado bred kid, went to Thomas Jefferson High School, so he knows how to pitch at altitude. Um, if he can duplicate the splits at home and road, um, he's he's going to get even better. I don't personally see him getting better this year. I think, if anything, he'll sit about where he was. I think a 3RA is a pretty, pretty optimistic um, outlook for him. I think last year's the first year people really saw him a bunch. So I think that may affect him a little bit. Um, that second year when, you know, people have a little more film on him, people have, you know, kind of his tendencies, you know, more, more in the scouting report. I think that it, it'll force him to struggle just a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, John Gray of last year type struggles. Um, first start last year, his first start last year, um, starts in San Diego, goes five and a third, allows four earned. Um, that was actually, he fell prey to the Christian Villanueva, um, you know, hot streak to begin the year. I mean, the guy hits 15 bombs by the end of May. He was ridiculously hot, goes ice cold the rest of the year, but Kyle Freeland got caught up in that last year. Um, as I said, allows two home runs to him. Um, not his worst game ever. Um, but not, you know, nothing to write home about. It was higher than, you know, his 2.85 ERA for the year. So, 
you know, allowing four earned while not a terrible stat line for a Rockies pitcher, um, wasn't, you know, not great for him. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of all I have as far as opening day stuff. Um, the next podcast that we're going to release is going to be after the second game of the series. So you'll see Jermaine Marquez, see if he can continue his spree from last year in that game. Um, he has a huge second half. He, he was dynamite in spring training towards the beginning, towards the end. He, he tailed off a little bit, but nothing, nothing excessively bad. Um, and I think that this series will, I don't think it tells a lot about the Rockies, whether they do good or bad. I mean, if they hang 15 on them each game and Freeland Marquez and Tyler Anderson all throw perfect games in the first three games, um, you know, that's, that's a different story, but if they just, if they handle business, get a couple close wins, maybe even couple five, one type wins. Um, I think it doesn't, it doesn't say much about their long, long-term outlook. Cause as I discussed, I mean, the Marlins are going to be terrible this year. I think them losing all, th- all that whole series, maybe getting swept in all four games. I don't think that's a huge indication either. Um, unless, you know, injuries come to strike. Um, but I think that no matter the result of the first first series, it's how bad they've been at the Marlins Park. I think that it doesn't say a lot about their long-term success. Um, so as I said, we got another podcast coming out. That would be Saturday morning. That podcast will drop a midday game. And then tomorrow, we've got a night game in Miami. Um so, and then expect a takeaways piece and, you know, kind of a, kind of a storylines piece after each game, including these first couple games. Um, I'll be on those at first. We got Anilo Piro coming back soon. Um, had to take a, a vacation, um, towards the beginning of the season. Good for him. Uh, get out of town, get ready for the year. Um, so he'll be back after this weekend and, you know, we're just going to keep stuff rolling out. Um, expect a, expect a podcast, uh, Every other day, maybe two days in a row, you know, whatever's happening during the year. Um, But you're never going to go more than two days without a 20th and Blake podcast. Um, Thanks for listening in, guys. I'll see you next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 